Welcome to this sermon podcast from Myo Baptist Church, and thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that God's Word will be an encouragement to you and a reminder that the Bible has all the answers to living a successful and fulfilled life. Again, thanks for listening. We now join the service in progress. Thank you, ladies. You know, folks, a lot of work goes into the music program. Uh, many of you are home and enjoying being home, and uh, just anybody that takes part in the music program, they're putting in extra time and extra hours, and uh, you need to uh, often thank them and encourage them uh, for the time and the effort that, that puts in. What, what you experience is the final product, but you don't experience all the rehearsal and what have you and the extra hours that go into that. But I, I do realize what goes into it, and I am thankful for all of you that take part in that. Uh, by the way, you took part in something uh, yesterday. Uh, you're not aware that you took part in it, so it's my responsibility to tell you. Uh, Sharon and I were invited to take part uh, in a couple's retreat uh, Calvary Baptist Church of Gaines, Michigan. They held it in Birch Run, and I was there to speak about marriage, uh, one of my favorite topics. And I brought with me, you know, I used Dr. Willard Harley's material, and no secret about that, and I brought some of his books with me. And uh, it was a small group, very small group, and three couples there, uh, in addition to the, the staff from the church, there are two couples from the church, and Sharon and I. And I, I went with the intention, the, these are books that I use in marriage counseling, and I told them, I said, now, in these three sessions that we've had together, I said, I, I'm starting you down a path. I'm starting you on a journey. But I said, I have these books that I want you to take with you and follow up on, and they'll help get you down that path and and make marriage the the blessing that God intended for it to be. And when I took them, it was my intention to to sell them to to the folks that were there, not to make a profit, just whatever it cost us to get them. That's what we're going to sell them for. And I was looking at those three young couples. I thought, they don't have it. (laughs) <laughs> 15 bucks for them is, is, well, for everybody, it's a lot of money, but for them. So you gave them the books yesterday. So just one, I told them that. I said, these are compliments of the good people of Myo Baptist Church. You know, they want you to have these. You did, didn't you? You wanted them to have them. <laughs> so anyway, you were a blessing to those three uh, young couples yesterday. We're finishing up what I started last week entitled, Love is Not Blind. Many people embrace the idea that not only is love blind, but it ought to be blind. Now, when we say love is blind, what do we mean? Love is blind typically means you do not see the faults in others. And you don't want to see the faults in others. But that's problematic, folks, and that is contrary to Scripture. That doesn't mean we're to go around and arrogantly judge people and put people down. That's not what we're talking about. But it doesn't mean we stick our head in the sand either. Because if we have the philosophy, love is blind towards our spouse, that's problematic. If we have the idea that love is blind towards someone we're dating or thinking about dating... That's problematic. If if we have the idea that love is blind towards 
just friendships and relationships, that can create all sorts of problems. If we have the idea that love is blind towards our children, you're asking for trouble. We need to be wary of the fact that when love is blind, it creates all sorts of problems. It can show up in personal relationships. It can show up even in our relationship with, with the Lord. People think because love is blind, I'm not going to judge you know, anybody's doctrine. I'm not going to judge anybody's theology. And then you open yourself to all sorts of theology. And folks, the Bible isn't open to all sorts of theology. And if you believe the Bible, you can't be open to all sorts of varying, and in even some cases, contradictory views of theology. But those who believe that love is blind think that that's the way it ought to be done. In fact, that's what our culture actually promotes today. And I spent some length last time talking about the fact that in today's culture, you are considered unloving if you express any value statements at all. That this is better, or this is best, or this is not good, or this is bad... If you do that with a loving heart, with the best interest of that person or those people in mind, your heart is right. You say that because you love them. But in this tipsy-topsy-turvy world, you'll be perceived as unloving. But remember this. Christianity always works counterculture. It always has. And it always will. And this world loses all hope when we stop living counterculture. Jesus lived counterculture. That's why he was executed. The apostles lived counterculture. They loved the way God wants us to love. And the world didn't appreciate that. The idea, though, that love is blind runs counter to everything the Bible teaches about love. Let me say that again. The idea or the philosophy that love ought to be blind runs counter to everything the Bible teaches. So the reason we're teaching on this is stated in this, what I'm about to read to you. Here's the issue at hand. Those who believe that love is blind open themselves up to improper relationships, failed relationships, strained relationships. And my, are relationships strained today? Divorce more than ever? Teenage rebellion more than ever? Where's the love? Apparently, the love is blind philosophy doesn't seem to be working all that well, does it? Those who believe that love is blind open themselves up to improper relationships and improper religious doctrines. Oh, I won't judge somebody else's religion. I, I, I don't believe in... Judge not that you be not judged. Do you know the context of that verse? Apparently not. Because you're using that in the wrong way. So again, you can get in trouble with relationships. When you don't understand the proper way to love, you can get in trouble religiously when you don't know the proper way to love. Religious doctrines, they create all sorts of then relational and religious problems. Whereas those 
who truly understand mature biblical love are protected from those relational and those religious mistakes. What I'm preaching to you this morning would not be well received anywhere outside these doors. Well, talking about the lost world or the liberal world of religion today. But I can tell you this for certain. What I'm preaching to you today is 100% scripture. And it's 100% accurate. And it is 100% being interpreted correctly this morning. And you will be wise to heed Not what I say necessarily, but what the Bible says. I agree with John MacArthur. I think I gave you this quote last week. The love that God wants man to have refers to a high level of biblical, theological, moral, and spiritual perception. I would say amen to him. The love that God wants man to have refers to a high level of biblical, theological, moral, and spiritual perception perception and you achieve that as you grow you grow as you learn you learn as you are in God's word you are in God's word when you are in Sunday school and when you're in church on Sunday morning and when you're back in church this afternoon and when you're in church on Wednesday night and when you have your own personal devotions and if you avoid those you're not going to grow as you should and you're not going to love like you should Again, listen to what MacArthur says. The love that God wants man to have refers to a high level. If you're too busy for all of that, you can't achieve that high level of biblical, theological, moral, and spiritual perception. So we study God's Word. And God's Word has a lot to say about love. Philippians uh, chapter 1, beginning in verse number 8, gives insight as to what mature biblical love looks like. Let's read what it says. Philippians 1.8. Now this is where I get my definition for love. This is where I ought to get my understanding of love. I shouldn't get my understanding of love from Hollywood or romance novels, or even my own personal feelings and emotions. That messes everybody up. And that's messing this world up big time. If you want to be more sophisticated than that, more mature than that, you're going to get it from God's Word. And you will change accordingly. You will no longer base your love purely on your emotions and your feelings or the way Hollywood says that love ought to be. And they will portray it in a most compelling way where you are tempted to buy into it. No, you've got to resist that. You've got to resist your own flesh. You've got to resist Satan. You've got to resist the temptations of the world. You have to look to God's Word. And God's Word is very clear. Paul says, for God is my... Record, how greatly I long after you all. He's writing to a church, the the Philippian church. I long after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ. And this I pray. Here's his prayer. That your love, this is the first thing he's praying for for the Philippians, love. See how important love is? So it's important that we get it right. That your love may abound. Yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. 
Paul is speaking about love here. It was miraculously recorded and miraculously preserved for 2,000 years that 2,000 years later we can read his words. And he's talking about love. Love is about caring for people. It's about helping people. It's about having the best interest for other people. And Paul wants their love to abound. And he says more and more. And one person describes that this way. That it may be like a river. Our love. To be like a river perpetually fed with rain and fresh streams so that it continues to swell and increase until it fills all its banks and floods the adjacent plains. What you, every one of you that call yourself a Christian in this room, ought to be overflowing with is love. And we might think, an unwitting person might think, oh, Yes, I need to be emotional and, and, and caring and, and, and sympathetic and, and just filled with warm, fuzzy feelings and what have you. That's not what he's talking about. You're making a serious mistake if you think of love as just about feelings and tears and, you know, uh, funny feelings running up and down your spine. No, he says that it may abound more and more in knowledge. In knowledge, not in... When he said to the Philippians, I want you, your love to abound, he is very specific. Because he says then, in knowledge. Praise God for those of you that understand that. And those of you that get it. If you base love on emotions and feelings, which most people do, you're going to get today what most people get. Heartache and heartbreak. Frustration, unbearable pain at ruined relationships. Well, I thought I was in love. Well, wait a minute. What's your definition of love? I don't know. I just felt, I thought that. We've got to be more sophisticated than that, spiritually sophisticated than that. We can't be ignorant. We, we, we can't. Be blind to God's truth, ignorant to God's truth. He says, in knowledge, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge. Far from being uncontrolled emotion, divine love is regulated by a knowledge of God's word. Love controlled by God's word is deep, anchored in convictions based on the truth. And that's why the lost world is struggling so much today. Why there's so many, you know, people are trying to drown their problems in booze or they're taking popping pills and illicit drugs and all sorts of stuff today. This world is miserable. And we hear about it most often when celebrities who ought to have it made just playing with their toys and soaking up the popularity are committing suicide. But they don't have time for the knowledge. Oh, I'm not going to church. I don't need to hear. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. It's my life. I'm living on Sunday. That's my only day off. And I'm going to do my thing. Well, you do what they do. You're going to get what they get. I don't want that for you. Not for my congregation. Key to love is knowledge. A knowledge of God. A knowledge of his word. I applaud you so much, those of you that are faithful in Sunday school, that understand the value of it. 
Those of you that are here this morning, I applaud you on that decision. And those of you that will be back this afternoon and Wednesday night, those of you that will have your own devotions, I I applaud you. You are investing in that knowledge, and you will be in a position to love in knowledge. But not just in knowledge. It says in judgment. The English dictionary states that discernment or judgment is the power to see what is not evident to the average mind and stresses accuracy as in reading character or motives. The Lord wants us to love based on knowledge of God's word and then judgment. We have the ability to discern that there are some things better, there are some things worse. You have the ability, somebody falls in love with a guy and they can't see what you see because they don't know how to love. And you look at that same guy and you say, wait, wait a minute, you're just going by your feelings. Listen, knowledge of the Bible says that you're not to be unequally yoked with unbelievers. I don't care, I just love him. But a person who has knowledge and then discernment isn't going to make that mistake. Shouldn't make that mistake anyway, unless they let their feelings overrule them. So important. Understand this quote. Godly love requires knowledge and judgment. This distinguishes it from a sentimental, emotional-based love. Real love, according to Philippians, is not blind. Real love is based on knowledge and judgment. And folks, that can anger people. That's why we Christianity has always been counterculture. When you make a value statement based on not, not just being because you're a critical person. No, you make a value statement because you care. And you care enough to be able to say, no, this is not right. I, I love you enough to say this isn't right. Your behavior isn't right. The world's not going to like that. And the world's going to criticize you. The the preachers that speak out the most against sin these days are the ones that are most criticized. We don't like that. I want you to pat me on the back when I leave. You know, not criticize me, but if you're going to criticize me, you're going to criticize me because what am I preaching to you this morning? Am I not preaching to you what that verse says? That your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in judgment. Understand this. This passage gives us blessings that come. For those of you that are willing to take the time to learn and therefore grow and develop knowledge and judgment, there are blessings for you. And look, go out into the laboratory of life and examine couples and families who get it. And see if they are not blessed far beyond measure compared to those who do not get it. Yes, there are loving, caring families in this room where happiness reigns. And where relationships are strong. And where they have each other's back. They are experiencing the blessings of an abundant love based on 
Knowledge and judgment. They're in church. They're learning. They're reading. They're studying. They're having their devotions. Let's look at these verses here. And let me share with you the blessings that are in store for you who are willing to define love in your life based on Scripture. There's six of them. Six blessings. Number one, people who develop a love based on knowledge and judgment, it says in that same passage, are to are able to approve things that are excellent. Look at verse number 10. After he says, I want you to have love, an abounding love of knowledge and judgment, then in the next verse, why? That ye may approve things that are excellent. According to that, only people who love with knowledge and judgment can approve things that are excellent. That's the blessing that comes with you being in church, you growing, you learning, and you being able to come up with Bible-based value statements that this is good, but no, this is bad. We don't agree with you. The Bible says this is good, this is bad. I know the Bible. I've studied the Bible. It's in their best interest that you be able to discern that, whether they like it or not, because you love them. And you know this is going to hurt you. And when you... When you love in it with knowledge and judgment, then you're able to approve things that are excellent. Listen to what Albert Barnes, a theologian commentator, says about this verse or that statement. He says, the idea is that he wished them to be able to distinguish between things that differed from each other. To have an intelligent apprehension of what was right and wrong. Let me tell you, the world doesn't want to hear that today. The world does not want to hear that living this way is wrong or doing this is wrong or that is sin. They don't want to hear it. And that's why we're in the mess we're in. An intelligent apprehension of what was right and wrong, of what was good and evil. He would not have them love and approve all things indiscriminately. That's a whole message in itself. They should be esteemed according to their real value. So people who develop... A love based on knowledge and judgment have the blessing of being able to approve things that are excellent. And people that don't have the ability to judge based or love based on um, knowledge and judgment, they're going to settle for something that isn't excellent at all, and it's going to turn around and it's going to hurt them. And it happens all the time. And you know people that are experiencing those kind of hurts because they don't know how to love. They think love is blind. Number two, we got to be quick here. People who develop a love based on knowledge and judgment, it says they may be sincere. Those people can be sincere. It says that you may approve things that are excellent, that you may be sincere. Only people who love with knowledge and judgment have this ability to be sincere. That is one of the blessings of going to church, of growing as a Christian, of understanding my love can't be based on some syrupy sentimentality. My love has to be based on knowledge and judgment. Then I have the ability to be sincere. Other people, they don't have that ability. Your lost family, friends, neighbors, co-workers, or your liberal 
Christian friends who just have a very superficial kumbaya knowledge of Scripture, they're not going to have that ability. What are we talking about here that you may be sincere? Again, let's quote Albert Barnes. He gives us some insight. He says, concerning the idea that when you love right, you can be sincere, applied to Christian character, it means that which is not deceitful, ambiguous, hypocritical, that which is not mingled with error, worldliness, and sin, that which does not proceed from selfish and uh, interested motives, and where there is nothing disguised. To be sincere means that you see through things. You, you, there's a sincerity there. You're not playing games. Whereas so many people this day and age are playing games. But a mature Christian, because he loves with knowledge and judgment, is blessed with the ability to be sincere. To be able to cut through all the junk. Look past all the emotions. Look past all the cultural pressures that are there. And be sincere. Number three. People who develop a love based on knowledge and judgment are without offense. This is describing the kind of person I want to be. Now, this is what you should ought to want to be. It says... In verse number 10, after talking about love, what are you going to be able to do then? What are the blessings? One, that you may approve things that are excellent. Fantastic. Two, that you may be sincere. Fantastic. And three, without offense. Only people, only people who love with knowledge and judgment can be without offense. People that don't know how to love properly can definitely live a life of offenses. What are we talking about here? For this one, we turn back to John MacArthur. He has a comment concerning this. Without offense can be translated blameless, referring to relational integrity. Christian are to live lives of true integrity that do not cause others to sin. Listen, I loved you. I told you that that was wrong. I lovingly warned you. You can't blame me for the mistake that you made. Whereas, why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you warn me? I didn't think it was my place. Love is blind. It's not for me to judge. The person that has that kind of maturity can make those kinds of statements by saying, listen, I loved you, I pled with you, I knew he wasn't right for you, I knew she wasn't right for you, you would not listen, you were emotionally involved, you were living love is blind. You can't point to me as an offense. I tried. And it breaks my heart that you're suffering now. You can't blame me. The people who live a life where love is blind, yeah, they, they, can, they can be blamed. Why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you care enough to warn me? You knew better, but you were silent. Number four, another blessing that comes only to those who understand the biblical definition of love. People who develop a love based on knowledge and judgment will be able to love till the day of Christ. Number one, that you may approve all things that are excellent. Number two, that you may be sincere. Number three, Blessing is without offense, number four, till the day of Christ. Biblical illustrator says, the blessing is it remains unimpaired to the end. 
when you grow in this grace of understanding what love is and you've invested the time and effort, you're in Sunday school, you're in church, you know, you're showing up, you're, you're taking notes, you're, you're eating it all up. Listen, you're going to carry this with you all your life till the, time, till the day of Christ. The world, they have emotional love, if you will, that's up and down. And I don't love anybody anymore. I've been burned and I'm just a recluse now and what have you. You see that all the time. But people that have that maturity about them, no. It remains till the day of Christ. Quickly, number five. People who develop a love based on knowledge and judgment will be filled with the fruits of righteousness. Verse number 11. We're still in that same passage. The topic is still love. Paul has said, I want you to have it. It's my prayer for you. I not only want you to have it, I want it to abound more and more. But I want it to be done with knowledge and judgment. Here are the blessings. Number five, being filled with the fruit of righteousness. Being filled with the fruits of righteousness. Alexander McLaren explains that the life which discerns keenly will bring forth the fruit which consists of righteousness. And the fruit is to fill the whole nature so that no part shall be without it. It is a true biblical love that helps to produce righteousness in yourself but in others. A parent, for example, that doesn't understand love, that's just emotional based. I, I, I can't discipline little Johnny. I, I can't discipline little Susie. It's just, I love them too much to be able to do that. You're not going to be filled with the fruits of righteousness. They're going to grow up to disappoint you and break your heart. The Bible declares that. And people of the Bible know that. So they live counterculture to the rest of the world. One of the great blessings of having a mature biblical love is being filled with the fruits of righteousness. And again, the world doesn't know that. Do lost people produce anything righteous? God-honoring? That doesn't say they can't do anything good, but their motives behind it is there's no intention for it to honor God. It's about honoring man. I mean, it works against God. Number six, lastly, people who develop a love based on knowledge and judgment will be blessed by Jesus Christ until the glory and praise of God. That's what our lives are really all about. It's not about what I want, what I need, my desires. It's about living a life of praise to God. And when you love as he wants you to love, not some sentimental, syrupy, emotional, shallow love, but when you love with a deep, mature, if you will, sophisticated love, You've thought it through, you understand it, and you're willing to take a stand. He's going to bless you. Being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. John Eady says this, and I quote, Spiritual fruit is not self-produced, but is by Jesus Christ and through his gracious operation upon the heart by his Spirit. Biblical love is anything but blind. Those of you that are willing to be disciplined, committed, dedicated, you have your devotions, you are in church, and you're 
here for the right reason. You, you want to learn. You want to grow. You want to be different than the way the world and your flesh and Satan is trying to pull you. And you develop a true, mature love based not on sentimentality or emotion or feelings, but based upon knowledge and judgment. God's going to bless you. And for many of you in this room, he has blessed you because some of you have taken a stand. And with a loving heart, you have told someone, that's not good. That's not right. You have told your child, no, you're not going to do that. Well, you're making a value statement. Yes, based on knowledge and judgment and the fact that I love you. What are the blessings? Quick review. People who develop a love based on knowledge and judgment are able to approve things that are excellent. Other people, they don't have that ability, and that's why they have the, that's the reason our society has the ills that it has. People who develop a love based on knowledge and judgment may be sincere. People who develop a love based on knowledge and judgment are without offense. People who develop a love based on knowledge and judgment will be able to love till the day of Christ. People who develop a love based on knowledge and judgment will be filled with the fruits of righteousness. People who develop a love based on knowledge and judgment will be blessed by Jesus Christ into the glory and praise of God. Spiritual love is not emotional based. It is biblical based. This last quote, we're done. The world says that love is blind. But the love of the Christian should be enlightened. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. Fantastic. The love of the Christian is enlightened, well instructed, and directed in all its exercises, effects, and manifestations by the Scriptures. Unless love is regulated by an enlarged and exact knowledge of the Word and by that good judgment, which is the result of mature discernment and experience, it soon degenerates into fanaticism and unwise exertions. Only as love is regulated by light, and light is occupied by and infused with love, are we well balanced. I'm challenging you. Be aware of the temptation that comes with pure emotions and feelings. Beware of the temptation of letting Hollywood romance novels define for you what love is. Be aware of taking the easy route and going with the crowd. Determine that your faith and love for God is going to have you in God's house faithfully and regularly so that you can grow, you can mature, and you can have a biblically sophisticated understanding of love. The complexities, if you will, they do not overwhelm you. They make sense. And then you experience the blessings that are promised to those of you who are committed and who are willing to act counterculture to this sin-cursed world we live in. Thank you for listening to today's message. 
We hope that the service was a blessing to you and that you were encouraged by God's Word. If you have any questions about Mayo Baptist Church, please contact us anytime. You can find contact information on our website at myobaptistchurch.com. Thanks for listening.